Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 96 of Midweek Metagame. I'm here, MTG, only joined by one of my regular co-hosts this week, Gabriel Asif. Hey, what's up, everyone? 96, my lucky number. Oh, is it? What? Why is that? Uh, I'm joking. I, I'm, it's not oh. my lucky number. I don't believe okay. in luck. I was expecting a nice story, but whatever. Okay, well, people are probably wondering, why isn't Pat here this week on the cast? Sadly, we tried to make things work this week, but things got a bit busy. Pat also got a bit sick. So hopefully Pat will be back next week. Don't know, but we're going to push through it today. We're going to be talking about some modern and historic. I guess I should be saying, well, 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 I have to tell you that Card Market is the sponsor of the podcast. Uh, as always, I need to remind you this is a marketplace to buy anything card game related. So if you want to sell cards, buy cards, buy sleeves, deck boxes, whatever, go check out Card Market. You can do it for uh, not only just Magic the Gathering, it can be Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, whatever, all card games. They're sick. We all use the website. Go check it out. Uh, cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu. But do you personally want to support the podcast? Well, this week we have many new patrons. If you want to join our new patrons, you can go to patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. No pressure to do so, but that's the best place to support us. And we should also thank Jeff, Cohen, Dominic, Tommy, Alvaro, and Thomas for supporting the cast this week. This is insane. Definitely a record for most patrons in one week. You guys are nuts. So thank you so much for all uh, supporting us and joining the Discord as well. It's sick to have you all in there and chatting. Yeah, thanks to all six of you. Let's see if I can remember. Jeff, Cohen, Tommy, Thomas, Alvaro, and... Start with a D? Danny? Dominic. Dominic. Oh, sorry, Dominic. Let him down, but that's okay. And like I said, this week, Modern Historic. Obviously, we're going to jump into Modern straight away, because that's kind of our bread and butter right now. Uh, I was meant to play the challenges this week, but I actually got busy, and I was having huge internet problems, so I couldn't play them in the end. I've ordered a Wi-Fi card to hopefully fix that, but uh, yeah, complicated things. But Gab, I know you played both challenges, so why don't you kind of just start us off with what you've been doing in the challenges this week? Yeah, I played both challenges. I finally decided to give Blue Red Murktide a shot. Pat has been advocating the deck for weeks. He, you know, he said he he says he barely ever loses in the leagues. You know, goes almost eighty percent win rate. So I decided to give it a try, and I was not disappointed. The deck was really strong. I played both challenges with it. I played on Saturday. I went um, six and two, and on Sunday I went five and two. Bad breakers. You need really, really good breakers to make it on two losses. There's usually one one player who makes it on on two losses, whether it's seven or eight rounds. Um, so yeah, I played uh, I played Pat's list. I was impressed. I really liked the main deck. Three counter spells, one spell pierce, two charm. The rest is was pretty stock. You know, lots of four ofs. And um, I was maybe not super impressed with some of the sideboard cards. Blood Moon was pretty hit or miss. I also decided to play some of Braids in my sideboard. I thought that might be decent against um, Hammer Time since it deals with the artifacts and it's all flexible. But I think this deck in Modern is just all about mana efficiency. And the Braid trade I don't think is good enough, actually. I think you just need something either more impactful or something cheaper like Shattering Spree. Uh, kind of same for Blood Moon. I, I think maybe Alpine Moon might be better. You see some list was Alpine Moon and some list was Blood Moons, maybe one of each. But um, I was not a huge fan of Blood Moon. It's also a problem. You only have three basic islands and you have Archmage Charm in your deck. So sometimes you're able to get two islands. You know, that's not uncommon. Getting the third one is rough. And not only can you not cast charms anymore, but you can't go like iteration and keep counter spell mana up. You know, there was a game against Green Tron, for instance, where I was just stuck. I could never tap out, never cast an iteration because I had to keep counter spell mana up. So that's kind of an issue for me. I think maybe rather than a braids, I should have just played more explosives. Um, explosives are just really strong right now. It's funny because it's a card I hate, or well, kind of you know strong strongly dislike in general. But it is, it is good in the meta, and it works well with Chandler. It works well with Iteration. The, the zero uh, explosive for zero is really valuable right now, whether it's against Rhinos, Hammer Time, Chalice of the Void, people are playing Chalice main deck, all that stuff. You know, for two as well, Goyf can be a problem. You might need to get rid of a Ren and Six, etc. 
So I was impressed. And I think, you know, if I could go back, I would have just not played these abrades and went up to fear for explosives, uh, especially for the hammer time matchup. Yeah, um, I've actually had an interesting kind of week with the braid. I think I've played about five. Wait, what the heck? We just got a Patreon live on the podcast. New Patreon. Okay, well, thank you, Travis, for joining the Patreon straight away. Just a second. But uh, <laughs> that's crazy. We've never had a Patreon live before. Do you want to say thanks to Travis? No, no, I'm joking. No, Travis, thank you so much. <laughs> what a legend. I, I, okay, cool. Sorry, what was I talking about? A braid. Sorry, yeah. So like you said, you know, a braid is a bit clunky. I can definitely agree. But one thing I liked about a braid a lot is it's just like I bring it in against Chalice of the Void decks. I feel like that's really where that card works for me. But like you said, you want to swap a braid with EE. And that's something that actually I kind of like the idea of because against all these Chalice of the Void decks, I'm always bringing in a couple of EEs anyways because um, uh, you just cast EE on zero, obviously, and you pop it and it kills the Chalice. So that's pretty cool. I think that's completely reasonable. I also just, you know, I bring in a Braid a lot as a clunky two mana deal three. I don't think that's great because in matchups where it's two mana deal three, E is probably also amazing. So honestly, I'm I'm quite happy with the idea of swapping out a Braid. You mentioned Blood Moon versus Alpine Moon. Now, I've really, really liked Blood Moon. I know you said on your stream and whatever it was clunky three mana, it's tough. But um, one thing I've played against a lot in leagues, maybe it's not like that in challenges, but I play against a lot of these three-color, Sultai control with Chalice of the Void, Jeskai control with Chalice of the Void. A lot of these control decks that are playing uh, Lurus as well, uh, with Drown on the Lock, I love Blood Moon against these decks. I feel like Blood Moon really, really beats them up. You know, you get a lot. You have a lot of must-counter cards in your deck, like Expressive Iteration, Murktide, whatever. You can cast those. They counter them all, and then you Blood Moon, they lose. That that has worked uh, well for me. I also haven't had the problem of really getting screwed with Blood Moon. I've really liked it. Uh, obviously, maybe my results are a bit skewed, but uh, I like that you can go turn two Blood Moon with Ragavan. That happens a lot for me. So um, that's why I personally like the card. But what I was thinking of, actually, is just playing Alpine Moon alongside Blood Moon because... While I love the card Blood Moon, I feel like in the matchups where they play Saga, it is quite slow. Or maybe I'm having to do something else to deal with their board, like Hammer Time. Hammer Time, you don't really have time to pay three mana for a Blood Moon. And if you do, you probably have already won the game. So um, I wouldn't mind like splitting it. But I I personally don't want to cut Blood Moon from the sideboard. What um, what uh, You played a different sideboard to me, right? Because I'm playing like flusters blood moon and your your cyber was full of more full of one ofs are you like more comfortable playing one ofs in murktide because it's like so many cantrips like was there a reason behind that or is that just the classic gab you love your one ofs i like the one ofs and also kind of an overlap thing you know if you have all of one card then it might be good in a few matchups but then you might not have enough cards to bring in in other matchups whereas if you have bunch of one-ups and a few cards that are a bit more versatile you know there's there's overlap where this card brings in against these few decks and then this card against these few decks and maybe you end up having less uh less dead spots but yeah blondman maybe i need to play a bit more i know i also had a match against uh seti p's uh, titan deck where i played blood moon and he had all mountains and it should be great but i could have actually still lost to just creativity uh she had just drawn a creativity and got titans and just beat me up with a six six because your deck is not is really not very functional anymore once you have blood moon in play it can be it can be kind of rough but um yeah maybe maybe a split you know maybe one or two blood moon maybe you know even two and two and you just bring them in in different matchups or you bring one and one in some matchups two and one in others etc another card that people ask a lot about is jace i don't know if you've been playing with jace but i was i was impressed I think originally it was for the blue-white decks. You know, we, we've talked about it before. Verdict's really good against blue-red. And when you're playing a deck like Murktide, where all your threats are a creature, you can be a bit uh, susceptible to, to cards like Verdict and Sweepers. And that's just something that really punishes blue-white. 
there that might be getting a bit more popular, you know, after Wafo and me doing so well with it and a few other people as well. So I, I've been happy with it. You bring in a lot of matchups. You kind of play a grindier game after sideboard, even against decks like Hammer Time. On top of that, they have the pro-right creature. So once in a while, you're going to be happy to just be able to to bounce a pro-right creature. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been impressed by Jace. I had yeah, I had like one Fluster Storm, one a second Spell Pierce, a copy of Force of Negation, a Dispute. I like having you know a bit of everything, especially if I'm if I'm streaming. You know, if people know my list from Twitter or you know if they're watching the stream, nothing you know about ghosting, but if they're watching the stream and then they play against me, they close the stream and it's a bit harder for them to play if I'm not as streamlined. But yeah, a lot of a lot of choices to make. You know, you've got a card like Torpor Orb that's super narrow. It's pretty much only for elementals, but elementals tough matchup, and that card beats them pretty badly. Obviously, they have answers. But uh, yeah, another card I wasn't like super excited about is Void Mirror. It stops some of your spells, and it's kind of awkward against Green Tron. Sometimes it's, it just doesn't even do anything. It is it is pretty nice against the Cascade decks. But uh, you know, maybe maybe you should just have a chalice. I don't know about some of the the sideboard slots. Do you have your? Yeah, what did you have in your sideboard? I th- do you play any graveyard hate? Because I have two relic of progenitors. I only had one soul guide lantern. I was really light on the graveyard hate. Mm-hmm. I like relic because in I personally have loved relic, not even like relic because uh, what is it in these matchups where your opponent's playing drown in the lock, snapcaster mage, whatever. You play Relic, if you get a Murktide down, this Relic will just pump your Murktide every turn. You know, tap it, exile an instant, Murktide triggers. And then against Mill, my Mill opponent milled me a bunch. I played a Murktide and then I sack my Relic. Bang, 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 bang. All the counters. That was pretty cool. So I really like Relic and Murktide together. I also play a, a Singleton Kozilex return. I really don't like the Sanctifier. Sanctifier crushes this deck, you know. Uh... Most of the time, it removes Delirium from Channeler, and then you can attack with that. Ragavan, obviously, impossible to get through. So I've liked having an extra answer for that, because don't forget, EE destroys the Sanctifier. It's not the end of the world. I also play a Singleton Chalice of the Void. It's like, whatever. I think that's probably my weakest sideboard card, the the one of Chalice. I haven't really played against Rhinos or Living End in a long time, and I've already got two Flusters in the sideboard as well, so feel like that's my flex spot as well as I honestly I feel like I barely cast these fluster storms so I feel like my I really like my cyborg currently it's like double upgrade double blood moon double force return three ees two relics and then my flex spots are the chalice and the two flusters I probably am gonna change those I think something that I didn't think I heard you say maybe you did but I, I've personally been playing with a brazen bar in the main I think you played with one in one of the challenges, right? Yeah, I had it on Saturday, and it seemed fine, but not super impressive. And I played an Explosives in the main on Sunday, and I was really happy with the main deck Explosives. It was really good for me. Yeah, see, the one thing I liked about Brazen Borrower is that it's just an answer to uh, Chalice in the main. So E does that same job, so I, I think both are very reasonable. I've liked Borrower because I feel like there are a lot of games where... Um, you know, Borrower is both a spell and a threat, which is really nice, and that's something that has been huge for me, as well as you get in these spots where, like, you have people who play big goifs, you have big constructs, and I feel like in the later turns, it's not that bad to pay two mana to kind of have a crappy bounce, so I really liked it. Pat Pat was the person who got me on this card, so Pat was also the one who really liked this card as well. So uh, I personally really liked it from ever since I've drawn it, I'm yet to play with EE in the main in Merktide, so I should try that as well. But I've really been a big fan. The one thing that I'm just wondering is how tuned these lists are. You know what I mean? Because I've just picked up the list that Pat was going with, but there's some like interesting decisions, like three counter spells in the main. I don't know why it just works. Like I've been playing with the list and it just works. And like the singleton spell pierce. Um, I'm not sure why, but I've really liked all these deck building decisions. Like. Is is this the final form of Murktide, do you think, where we have just these, like, one flex plot of Brazen Borrower or EE? Is that really what's happening? Yeah, it's all about balance, right? You've got um, Serum Visions, too, which is a card that not everyone plays. Some people just play more counter spells, more charms, and, you know, maybe an extra land. 
and the judges don't play serum visions or they play, you know, maybe only one serum visions. There's these these like small decisions. And I guess it's just about finding the right balance, whether it's, you know, mana cost or also card types was Chandler, all that stuff. I was personally, it's always so hard to rate a card like Serum Visions, right? But I felt like Serum Visions was decent for me. But like, I definitely, it definitely let me kept, keep a lot of, of one lander and do okay. It was also just really good in the mid game, especially when you have Chandler in play to, to never flood. So it's tough. You could, you could, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, that's, that's, I think it's something you have to just, it's hard to theorize. You just have to play a lot and kind of try and keep track and get a feel because it sounds kind of weird, but counterspell could, can be a clunky card, you know, too blue to counterspell in this deck. Um, so maybe, maybe that's why you see that the one spell appears. To just lower the curve a tiny bit. Every every mana matters, you know. I was saying how a braid is somehow a bad card against a deck that relies exclusively on creatures and artifacts, and it doesn't seem to cut it. So, um, you know, I think Pat's version is is really good. Uh, I could see I could see not playing Serum Visions, adding that land, and playing a few other spells. I think I think Brazen Bar is a reasonable card. Maybe you could play one one explosives, one borer. You know, you've got all this card selection, so it, it's nice to have that versatility because you just see so many so many cards uh, in a given game. Um, other thing I want to mention: you mentioned Coslex Return. I played it on Saturday. It never really come up. I'm not sure that card's so great. You you don't care as much about the two two pro right after sideboard. Sometimes you you just board out Ragavan in these matchups. Your Chandler can. Still give you a little value, and it can still it's it's really hard, but it can still become a free free flying even against the 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 hate bear that exiles the the, the red cards. Um, or you could you could have a plan where you're also boarding out uh, Chandler. You know you're boarding out all your one drops, you're bringing in a bunch of explosives and few other removal, and you bring in these two Jace, and you know you just kill their stuff, and they have a bunch of mopey creatures. You know Jace Jace is nice to. Um, it's good against the mo- these mopey hate bears, right? Sure, they're annoying, but they they don't hit hard. They don't have haste. They don't one shot chase, etc. So that that can be a, a way you can exploit if people are trying to get too reactive against you. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you talk a lot about Jace. Looking at both challenges of the past weekend, no um, no Merktide in one of them, but in the other top eight, we've got three Merktide lists where one of them actually had Jace in the main, and one of them had Jace in the side. So the one with the Jace in the main is interesting because they have Borrower as well, but they're on 18 lands. I have no clue how O'Daniel managed to do this, but, you know, I, th- I think I think Jace is a common card to see in these lists. I just haven't tried it, you know. The one time I played with Jace in Merktide, I feel like is when... It was Spike who first played the deck. It was uh, some streamer. I copied them and they had Jason or something like this. Um, but I just, uh, I don't know. I just don't like how it's four mana. May- maybe I'm looking at it wrong. Obviously, I'm going to try it. But I, on paper, I don't think I like the card. But, uh, you know, Pat and Gav like it, so I should probably start liking it. But, um, you know, these three Merktide lists are all very, very different. For example, the one that came in third lost the... Uh, what, in the semi-finals, they're playing 19 lands, 4 Archmage's Charms, but also only 3 Ragavan, which is kind of surprising. And there's something that we haven't talked about as as well, is that uh, two of these Merktide lists in the top 8, they both play one Snapcaster Mage. And that's something that specifically, I don't know if Pat said it on the podcast, but um, I've been talking about it with him a lot, because I um, was playing Snapcaster Mage in my list over the past week, and Pat was like, hold up Harry, get that Snap out of there. And as soon as I took the snap out of my deck, I 5-0. That's all I'm going to say. But, um, yeah, I think that Snapcaster Mage doesn't suit this deck because it's too much mana and it has, like, basically no impact on the early game. And I feel like the 2 on body also is really weak. Like, Ragavan in this deck, I feel like, isn't very good on, like, turn 5. And that's really when you're casting Snapcaster Mage, right? So if Ragavan isn't good turn 5, why would the body of Snap be good in the late game? feel like it just doesn't really match the game plan. You can make an argument that it's like your fifth expressive iteration, but I don't like the argument either. 
I think that this card is too clunky. Did you play any snaps this weekend? I did not. I think the card is at its best in Teferi Time Reveler decks. I could see Snap being good. You know, it is it is one of the best cards ever printed. It's really, really good magic card, kind of like Jace. I was kind of going off and getting a bit annoyed this weekend because a lot of people, you know, I'd play these matchups and I would bring in Jace and a lot of people would ask, you know, why are you, why Jace in this matchup? Uh, and at some point I kind of <laughs> lost it. I was like, you really need a reason. Jace just one of the best cards ever printed. It's a good magic card, you know, uh, like, I mean, sure there's, you know, I could have said what I was saying earlier about Jace, about how you exploit weaknesses and we get too, too reactive. It punishes them, etc. But at some point I just was like, you know, do you really need like a great reason, you know, me to go in depth explanation as to why, why I want Jace in my deck. So, Snapcaster a bit of the same thing, you know, Snap Bolt is 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 pretty sweet play. Just a little extra card advantage if um you know if you feel like you need it. But yeah, that's you know Magic Verse I was referring to their list. No no serum visions. Instead they you know they add a land and they play uh just more more business spells. Jace also nice, just another type for Chandler and you know, Odaniel Akos has for, two for some negation in the main deck, so you you know you get even more value out of your one ups. You know, you get to mill them with Chandler, you get to pitch them if they're no good, and you know it's a card that can single handedly win you the game. So I kind of like it. Um, another card that we haven't talked at all about, and that a lot of people have said I should be playing in think maybe I should is Dressdown. I'm assuming you have not played it with the card Dressdown. But um, I've played it in my sideboard before a few times. Yeah. Were you were you impressed? We, maybe we should say what Dressdown does because it's mm. kind of a new card. It's from Modern Horizon 2. It's a blue and a one enchantment. It has flash. When it enters a battlefield you draw a card. A creature lose all abilities and at the end of the end step sacrifice Dressdown. So it cantrips, it's sit and play for a turn. You can ambush a goy for instance. You can, you know, people were playing it. Uh, it was doing double duty in decks like Death Shadow because it, if you know, it can impact your opponent's creatures and it makes your Death Shadow, uh, you know, 13 13, I think, since it loses all abilities, even if you're not low on life. So that was kind of cool. And, um, you know, it works against pro red creatures, it kills the Urza Saga tokens, they lose their abilities, so they become zero zeros. So that card has been kind of hyped up and, uh, you know, maybe that's another card I wish I had in, in my sideboard. You talked about Fluster Storm too. I was not super impressed. I was just running into a lot of Teferi Time Raveler, and there were spots where I just wished my Fluster Storm was a Spell Pierce. So at two Fluster Storm on Saturday, I went one Fluster Storm and the second Spell Pierce in the sideboard on Sunday. But that's, you know, kind of maybe week to week thing, metagame call uh, thing. Yeah, I. I think I'm gonna get the Fluster Storms on my sideboard. I think I think it, it was good. Fluster was really good when Cascade was a huge thing in the format. I feel like maybe it's not, or maybe I'm not playing challenges. But I'd, I'm just I'm just I'll just swap it out with a different counter spell, whether it's Mystical Dispute or whatever. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think I think Dress Down is pretty decent. The one time I did cast, you know, I, this is the problem with sideboard cards. Like even though I was playing two of, I only drew it once, like in one game against maybe it was even like just an Urza Wurza deck or something, but one thing that is nice is it's two mana, wipe the tokens from Urza Saga. That's the one thing I really like about the card. But it's kind of similar to, like, a Braid. I, I think this card reminds me a lot about a Braid, where it's, like, it's two mana, it's clunky, you got to hold it up. Um, you know, EE does the same thing, but doesn't draw a card. But, you know, I, I, I haven't liked it, and that's why it's not on my sideboard anymore. As well as, like, I feel like you need it at the right time. Um, and it's not super flexible. Like, okay, you can pay two mana to draw a card. But, I mean, I don't think that's a very good play in a tempo deck. So, that's why I don't personally play it. But uh, I can definitely see metagames where it's good. For example, like, there's the hardened scales in Modern. You know, uh, while no one's really playing that right now, if that deck comes up in popularity, it's great against Harringerback Walker and Walking Blister. So I can easily see like a a world where dress down is insanely playable. I just don't think it's like exactly what you want to be looking for right now, and that's kind of my take on it. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I, w- I would definitely give it a try. And sounds like people had good things to say about the card, but uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. One thing um, that kind of caught me off guard, or not caught me off guard, because uh, let's be real, Wafo Tapa, always winning the challenges, came first in, is it Sunday? No, Saturday? The Saturday challenge? Saturday, yep. Yeah, awesome. With Indomitable Creativity. This is a deck that uh, I've seen a little bit. I think we talked about it ages ago. Zen Syed was uh, brewing with it. And uh, yeah, came first place. And uh, honestly, I just don't like this deck. I feel like this deck is like really mediocre to me. But then Wafotap has got him won the challenge. I, every time I play against this deck in leagues, I just hold up my Lightning Bull and, you know, deal with their Teferi. And then normally they can't really do anything. So, you know, I, I personally am not a fan of this deck. Is this something that you think is really good in the format? Or is it just Wafotapa doing his thing like normal? I've never been very impressed by the deck. And I almost feel like... Personally, I've been even less impressed ever since they switched to Emrakul because now you just play a Jace or a Teferi and you bounce their Emrakul. It's not even scary at all. <laughs> and I like I like what Wafu did. He went one Emrakul, one Velomachus. I think that's smart and the way to go. And he put back the four Time Warps in. That's kind of the cost of having Velomachus in your deck, I guess. Mm. He, um, yeah, just kind of made, made a few, few changes. And he has... I love his sideboard. Two Blossoming Calm, that's the rebound card that gives you Hexproof and gain two life. You know, Burn was ramping up in popularity, and that card's amazing against him. Uh, you got two Dispute, one Veil, and then you have four Dovin's Veto and four Obsidian Charma. The the Hate Bear, the, well, the Hate Dragon, more like, that kills. Uh, so that's like a super sweet plan against Tron and decks that have all non-basic. You just bring in these four, and, you know, if you play them... They're a great trade, and if you create creativity in the, into them, that's still fine. So, yeah, first place. Um, really, really cool take on the build. And, um, yeah, I think I think the Emrakul Velomachus play is, is sweet. It feels bad because a lot of time you get in spots where you can creativity for two, and if you just have the one legend, sure, I mean, you're going to get a huge monster in play, but why not get both, you know? Yeah, the, I think the problem is, right, is that both of them have big weaknesses. Like you said, Emrakul can be bounced, but also the Velomachus can be unholy heated. So, <laughs> you know, they both have their own weaknesses, and uh, obviously Wafotap is just a beast. So I think this deck is going to be the deck that I'm going to try next, because there's something I'm not getting about this deck, and I need to find out, because there must be something good about it. But... um. What I actually want to talk about is what Wafo beat in the finals. Oscar Franco, I feel like we're always talking about this guy. Always in uh, the modern challenges, at least. But uh, yeah, he's playing um, Jund Urza Saga. We talked about it briefly last week. You know, it's the Ragavan Renin 6 Urza Saga deck uh, with Luris as well. I played, I want to say I played four leagues with this deck. I 5-0'd one. And then I don't remember the results for the other ones. But I did 5-0 with this deck. I really, really, really liked it. This deck is a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's there was a concern on the podcast last week that mana would be a big issue with this deck. Because you're obviously playing a Ghost Quarter 4 or a Saga in your Renin 6 deck. But I can't lie. I don't feel like in my four leagues I got mana screwed uh, a lot in terms of not having the colors, what actually happened was, you know, the classic like Ren and Six where you just, you have Ren and Six on the table, you're plussing it, and then you're also drawing lands. So you just insanely flood. Um, that happens way, happened way more to me than missing color or missing land drops. But I really, really like this deck. Um, so many games I went like turn one, discard spell or Ragavan, turn two, Urza Saga plus Tarmogoyf. Or turn one discard spell, turn two Urza Saga plus Dash Ragavan. You know, these are very common play patterns. You would think that with this deck, or at least I thought that the Urza Saga wouldn't be tapping for mana a lot of the time. But there are a lot of hands where it does. You know, you naturally draw your Expedition Map, your Spell Bomb, 
your pithing needle, whatever. You, you use the saga to to cast it. The ghost quarter as well uh, was an all-star for me. It actually won me a whole match. Um, Sodek has been playing Belcher recently. So obviously I've been playing against it. Uh, I played against it once in a league. I got my Urza saga down. I got my expedition map. Use expedition map, get ghost quarter. Stone rain, stone rain, stone rain. Use Ren and six to get the ghost quarter back. That was very useful. I really, really liked the quarter. And the reason why I had time to do that is because I had Pithing Needle on Belcher, by the way, for those who are saying uh, I should have lost. But um, overall, this deck, I love it. And what's really nice is that a lot of the time, you just do that turn one, discard, Ragavan, turn two, Saga, two drop. And then you just make token, make token, play Ren, make token, make token, make token. They have to deal with your board. And by this time, you're just drawing spell, spell, you know, whatever, and if they do somehow deal with your red and your saga, then you just have, like, six spells in hand. So it's, like, a very common play pattern. Just heavily rely on saga, get these nice draw steps, and whatever, and it's, like, insanely disruptive as well. So, you know, I've been saying a lot of my stream and whatever, like, this is my favorite deck in the format right now, and I, I think that it's, like, a... Is it a dark horse? Something like that. Uh, I, I really just love the list. Have you played against it? Yeah, I played against it. I think I might have played against it this weekend. I can't remember. But yeah, it's interesting that, you know, I thought maybe at first it was potentially a little run goods of people doing well with these decks. But uh, yeah, I guess the mana works. You can also mulligan, you know, the London mulligan, super strong. And you have Ren 6 and Ragavan openers to recover. So you have Lurus. So I'm sure this deck mulligans really well. At least, at least once the first time, down six. And um, yeah, no, it's good to hear that the mana works. That keeps posting off result. You know, that shell is is strong. The, the random six people have tried Naya. It looks like maybe John's the, the better, better version of the two. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that deck is strong uh, for sure. There's, there's not as much diversity this week in the, in the top. Uh, Top eights last weekend, it was 13 different archetypes. This weekend, it was quote unquote only nine. There was a, a bunch of Merktide decks. There was free Merktide decks, free Rhino decks, couple Hammer decks. And then after that, you had, you, you know, you had the one of, you have Waffle One was Creativity. You had a couple copies of John Saga, a couple copies of Hammer Time, three copies of Rhino, as I said. Only one copy of Blue White, and it was a list was a four chalice in the main. And hieroglyphic elimination it's, seems a little sus to me, but uh, you know, blue white's still okay. And uh, you also had one copy of mail, one copy of green tron. Oh no, two copies of mail, one copy of green tron, and then finally Yagmos that won uh, the Sunday challenge. And uh, I think it's you know, Grist has to do a lot with that. When I've played against the deck recently. Gris has been a huge pain. You know, obviously it's going to be good against Super Inverted deck, so I think that was a big part of it, but that card's just really impressed me in general, and it's pretty sick that you can tutor for a non, non-creature non card with uh, Evolution and Court of Calling, too. Yeah, I think that was my pick for uh, my favorite card in, in MH2, because that card is just perfect against control right you can get it from coco you can get it from whatever so i really like that card and i feel like it is underplayed yeah yeah i agree i feel like there's not enough uh company gris decks out there I actually played a league and i played against a really cool deck it was in my cfb video um a really cool deck it was john company was the black black red elemental it had like, you know, Ignoble Hierarch, maybe Goyf, Season Pyro, Skelemental, and it had Grist. And that deck was really tough because all their threats, I think I was playing Blue White, all their threats were kind of a problem. They had a lot of sustain with Pyromancer. And uh, Grist made it a little too hard, you know. So, um, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe that's a card that's. Yeah, I think that's a card that's probably on there. It's pretty easy to cast. It's uh, black, green, and one. 
So come come play it with Luris, obviously. That's that's the big downside, but mm. that card that card's been been pretty impressive. I don't think it would be like super amazing if it wasn't for company though. So you yeah. know. Um. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, it wouldn't be amazing without company. That, I think that's just kind of the whole like benefit of it is that if you need a planeswalker, you know, it's there with your. It's like a both an on creature and creature threat at the same time. But I, like, I feel like this. Um, what's it called? Yogmoth deck comes in and out of the format, but it is combo. And one thing that we highlight a lot with, against the format, like from Hammer Time, for example, is that. Hammer Time makes loads of crappy 1-1s to block your Ragavans. I mean, this is exactly what this deck does. Just plays a load of crappy creatures, and then boom, they draw a million cards and kill you. So I can see why it's doing decent in the format. I personally wouldn't go with this deck. But, you know, I wonder I wonder why it did so, so well in this top Because I feel like... I don't know. I feel like Hammer Time should be hard for this deck because I feel like it's so slow. But I guess if you get the Yogmoth down, you can just put minus one, minus one counters on everything your opponent's your Hammer Time opponent controls. But yeah, I, I think don't know. A, I think it's a strong deck, but it has a decent bit of variance to it. Sometimes they just do nothing. They have to keep hands that have you know a bunch of mana and a decent curve and just hope to to draw that one payoff. You know they have. Four evolutions, four card of calling, for Yagmoth, and you know if they don't, uh, their their beat down plan comes a little short. I don't know. I think it's just one of these, you know, tier one ish, tier you know, tier tier one, tier two deck that that's playable in modern and just yeah. not not super played. It's it's not as popular as you know, Hammer Time, Merg Tide, etc. Yeah, the one thing that does scare me though in this top eight on the Sunday challenge is Mill in seventh place. I, I think I've played against Mill like six, seven times in the past week. I've played against so much Mill in leagues. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's so cheap on Magical Line. It's 250 tickets, but I play against this deck all the time, all the yeah. time, and it's scary. Yeah, I mean, the price probably Mill is the new Storm, right? It's the new Burn. Mm. These were Storm and Burn used to be super popular. The, the, the Storm version that played uh that didn't play the, the fetch lands and the steam you know just calling um what's it called sheevan reef these dual lands instead that was like that deck was super super cheap same for burn so um yeah, yeah I'm, I'm guessing that's why you see it a ton in leagues i i usually plan for it i guess it depends sometimes you you have the one i'll uh, drive in your sideboard sometimes not but uh yeah there was there's one in one in top eight on saturday one on sunday but not not as prevalent in in the challenges. I haven't played against Mill in in a few weeks. The one thing that was sad is the last time I played against Mill with an Emrakul in my sideboard, they cast a uh, Tasha's hideous laughter and they exiled it. But uh, this card as well, the Tasha's hideous laughter. I think this is the card that's carrying the deck right now because you have all these Luris decks with just like baubles, one drops, two drops, and you know this. T- this laughter card is normally exiting like 20, 25 cards from my deck. It's it's like I've had a lot of three mana exile twenty. It, it's it's nuts because right now all my all my decks are so low to the ground. But um, you know, apart from that, I, I'm not too impressed by Mill. I can see the reason to play it, but uh, I it's not it's not my my choice of uh, weapon in the format. But like you know, Tron holding up again. Top eight. I haven't seen any Tron. That's not true. I actually still played against a ton of Tron. Um, and I, I, I. Th- Wait, how do they have seventy six cards? This list says it has seventy six cards. I don't know. Okay, MTG Goldfish is bugged. But um, yeah, I think that Tron for me might be my life on the line deck choice because I every time I've played it this week, I've been crushed. I've been crushed by Tron. Um. And I think that the format right now is like leveled out to the right speed where assembling Tron and casting these kind of like semi-slow but win the game cards, um, it's like in its perfect spot right now. And I think and I think Tron is actually what I kind of want to be doing in the format. Yeah, you might be a tiny bit biased. I'm assuming Tron, monitoring Tron's probably decent against the Jun deck. And I played 
I don't know if I played the matchup once or twice with Merktide, but it didn't feel super good. It fe- it felt like a tough matchup if you didn't have the god Ragavan draws was a bunch of counters fell back up. Um, kind of can be a tricky matchup too. So yeah. They're actually playing 61 cards in the main. Yeah, 61 cards, yep. Why? That's so bad that for seems Tron, like, right? Yeah, it seems like literal, literal Wars deck to play 61 cards in, right? You're you're literally just trying to assemble Tron on turn three. And <laughs> there's one deck in Modern that probably doesn't want to play 61. It's it's Tron. And they're also playing the uh, Urborg, but for Forest. I don't see the benefit in that either. Just helping out the opponent for engineered explosives. They played for Void Mirror. Or Void Mirror. But you just need a basic forest for that, right? Oh, yeah, good point. Um, so why do you play... Why would you play... Force of Vigor? Oh, yeah, I guess Force of Vigor. They have a couple of Force of Vigors in the sideboard. And maybe sometimes you want to cast Dull Green Spell with, you know, Will plus Veil or... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it seems, seems okay questionable but okay yeah I'm not not a huge fan seems worse than just not a forest if I had to guess yeah okay well I think that kind of wraps up modern this week we got a good deck tech in for Merktide and Sag also did some challenge analysis which is pretty cool but uh, you know I think we have some historic to get into uh, Gab you said to me that you've been playing a lot of historic this week on your stream so why don't you kind of update us in, in that format? Yeah, I've been playing Historic with the new Jumpstart cards, a card from Modern Horizon. And I've played some Phoenix. I've played some Ragdos. I've played some Control. And I played also White Green uh, white green Company deck with Heliod. Basically, Control got Archmage Charm. I was kind of skeptical whether the, the mana would work, whether it would be worth it. I've been really impressed by Charm. It was good in blue-white. You know, you do have to make sacrifices. No no field of ruined, really. You can play maybe one or two lands that don't make blue, I think, if you're playing Charm in your deck. And that's about it, because you don't get Mystic Gate in Historic. So, you know, we have to see what happens. It does make you soft to, to man lands, especially in blue-white, because you don't have Helix, really. Um, but the, the card, Archmage Charm Odyssey, was phenomenal for me. I, I tried it in, in Jeskai 2, and at first I was like, there's no way you can play Helix and Archmage Charm in the, in the same deck, but then I, you know, you just build a mana base, was, you get the Triome, you get, you know, you just play all the blue dual lands, and it, it kind of works, honestly. I was doing okay casting Helix, casting Charm, and casting uh, Wrath of God, so um, Charm Charm was really good. We'll see if control is good in the meta, though, and if uh, if it's if you don't get punished too hard for not having cards like White Castle, Field of Ruin, etc. Um, I also tried uh, Dragon Rage Chandler decks. The card was amazing in Phoenix Dad, and uh, I think it's called Faceless Salvaging. It's a rebound uh, rummage card, red in one instant. You discard draw, and then it has rebound. I know Spike was playing it in Modern in the Phoenix deck. And that card was also so good, it makes it super trivial to bring back Phoenix on turn three. It, it, it's really good. I, I was still playing with Stormwing Entity, and I saw why Darby post a list that did have the card. And after thinking about it a bit, it kind of makes sense because you, you get Chandler as a creature, an extra creature, so you don't need Entity as much. So maybe not cut them all, but um, you know, I was really liking the Phoenix deck. I was really liking the new additions. On Holy Heat, I'm not so sure about, because you do have a lot of these spots where you want to just be able to to shock them, you know, just play your spells. If they don't have a creature or a planeswalker, you don't have a target, and that can that bit can be a little awkward. So, you know, maybe maybe figure that part out. You know, I don't think you should... I, I doubt you should play four on Holy Heat and Phoenix, unless the meta is all creature decks. But uh, super impressed by Chandler in that deck. Super impressed by Salvaging as well. I tried Ragdos, was, um, you get uh, Chandler, which was amazing. You know, you had Inquisition, Push, etc. You get Season Pyromancer now in Historic. That card was obviously good, you know, no surprise. And the, the new one was Davriel, the Planeswalker. Have you seen these these cards? You know what Davriel does at all? Harry, there's no way. It's, it's a Planeswalker that uses RNG. I literally have no... Davriel, How, what's his mana cost? So it's two black and two... 
And it has it comes with four loyalty. It has a minus two ability. That's you have offers and conditions. So oh, oh, I know this one. Yeah, yeah I do. So, so basically, there's six offers which has which are good for you, and there's six conditions which which are bad for you. And what the card does, it it picks three of these six at random for you, but then you get to pick which one you want. So every time um... you minus two, you get to pick one offer and one condition. So for instance, there's an offer that's draw free cards, and there's an offer that's you have an emblem with your creature F plus two plus so, and then some of the downside ones of the conditions are you lose six life or. Wait, that's actually so Hearthstone. There's literally cards in Hearthstone that do that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, they yeah. give you a choice of three of like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it, it uses Arena, right? It's cards that you can't play with ERL. There's that. There's the, you know, it's kind of the conjure mechanic. There's the seek ability that takes a card at random from your deck, you put it in your hand or play. So I, I kind of like it, honestly. I kind of that like that sick. they're using Arena you know the the non-constraints of arena to make these cards i think as well as 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 long as they designed them well uh, i'm good with it and i was impressed i was actually impressed by davriel i don't know if it's going to end up being better than other four mana cards you can play but it's good because a lot of times you get one condition that's good for you or one offer that's good for you whether it's the draw free card one or your creatures get plus two plus so it's pretty good because you have these cheap creatures you have the to tokens from season pyromancer and a lot of the times, th there's some conditions that are really kind of weak. There's one, for instance, that's whenever you draw a card, you exile the top two cards of your deck. Like, who cares? You know, you're not going to deck yourself. There's another one that's the creatures that your opponent have in play get a permanent plus one, plus one. So they don't have creatures, that's literally not a drawback. And, you know, the lose six life a lot of time doesn't matter. So a lot of time you get, like, a really good ability for you, and then... The downside is kind of whatever. It also has a pretty cool plus one, plus one that kind of protects itself. So overall, I, you know, I started, I played the card because it was new. It was for content, but I was, I was kind of impressed. I thought the card was super solid. It's going to be good enough. You know, I was playing two Chandra, two Davriel. Is it good enough to, you know, is it better than a card like Crankill? Or I don't know what other four mana cards you could play, but uh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, deck, deck seemed really strong. You know, it was, it was a good archetype before, but... I was playing. I was not playing supplier. I was not playing Lurus, obviously. Uh, so you know, you have to figure out if you like that. That archetype is the supplier kind of more graveyards based deck better, or is that version that's more a little more raw power? You know, card like Season Pyro, Colgan's Command, etc. Is that going to do better for you? Uh, but yeah, Chandler was amazing as expected. Sure, you don't get bubbled, but you still have. A lot of the other good, good cheap cards. Um, what else did I try? Control these two decks. And yeah, I tried a White Green Company deck. You have a new combo with an Evolve Oak, where basically if you have a Soul Warden or an Innkeeper and then the Oak and Heliod, you can make your Oak as big as you want. Because when it gets a counter, you get a plus one, plus one, which triggers Soul Warden, meaning you get another counter, you get another plus one, plus one, etc. So... Though the deck was decent, I was not super impressed by the oak itself. It never came up for me, and the card on its own is really weak. So, well, you know, I think maybe white green Heliod could be a thing. Uh, I'm not sure I'm buying the the oak, but yeah, historic. Honestly, the new cards are having an impact. I think um, there's been a creativity deck with Sarah's emissary that's been doing well, but I think that was maybe week one. It was. I know the first day I was playing Historic, I was playing against old Gruul, old creature deck, and obviously when you're playing a kind of a Jeskai base deck with Helix, Removal, Sweepers, and then you have, you know, creativity into a creature that most of the creature deck can't beat, you know, it's a 7-7, seven, seven, so it doesn't die to Unholy Heat, you know, Gruul can literally not really beat you anymore if you get in and play, I think that's why that deck did really well on week one, and, uh, you know, I expect it to maybe be a contender, but maybe not as good as some people have claimed. I've been seeing some um, throws of chaos, uh, Tibalt trickery decks on Twitter. Is that actually a thing, or is that the classic Twitter doing Twitter things? I have not ran into it. I think maybe it's a best of one deck that you know that's really good when people don't have access to hate. I don't know if it could be good in best of three though. I, I know I've seen people complain about it, and 
it can be tough to to deal with but i i don't have the insights there yeah and i remember there was like what's he announced historic only cards like on arena are those out yet yeah i mean that's davriel's one of them right it's all oh. these cards there's like one that's been really popular is a nelf i think it's a one one reach for green and one mm -hmm. and you seek a nelf so meaning you get an elf at random from your deck in your hand. So it's kind wow. of like elf visionary, but a little different. That's not, and it's one mana. Oh, two mana, two mana. Oh, two mana. Okay, I was gonna say that's nuts. <laughs> wow. Okay. And how how have you liked the gameplay? Like, do you think it's fine that they're arena only still? Or I think you didn't mind, didn't you? Um. No, I mean you know historic. They said historic was a uh, arena only format, so. Why not embrace it mm -hmm. and just, you know, make these cards as long? I mean, I, I've been loving Davriel, the way they managed to balance the RNG. It's like, not like super, you know, amazing effect. All I don't know. I thought the card played out really nicely and it was pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fine at the end of the day. Just uh, one thing is that apparently a lot of people were buying their historic decks on paper from card market, according to their stats few months ago during lockdown which was interesting but and now no one can really do that <laughs> yeah, yeah but, people um, people were saying that oh this it's they did a classic not trusting wizard i guess when wizard was saying it's gonna be his arena only people were like oh their plan yeah. they have a big plan of eventually making historic the new, i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is what it is but i think i think you said you had some mpl stuff that you wanted to get into right yeah there's been uh you know Another kind of debacle by Wizards. The, ever since the update, Arena has not been super stable. And to make sure they had max time to fix these issues, they decided to um, start the, the MPL and, and Rivals gauntlet um, a day later. So instead, I think there was some players were supposed to play on Thursday, or maybe everyone was supposed to play some matches on Thursday. So no one's playing... On Thursday, they're starting on Friday, and means day one's gonna go longer for people, which is gonna be really bad for people in Europe, especially because instead of maybe you know ending at 2 a.m., they're gonna be ending at maybe 4 or 5 a.m. I'm not exactly sure about the detail, but obviously the European players were really upset about it. I'm not sure how it impacts the the Asian players, but I mean, I guess they've they've taken such a beating ever since. You know, they're probably just used to it at this point, playing in the middle of the night, literally starting their tournament at midnight, you know, worst possible. Um, they're just at such a big disadvantage, you know, it's it's unreal. Um, and, you know, sure, the, the crew is based in the US, but if you're going to run a, a big professional league, I mean, obviously at this point, it's it's over and I mean, there's no point beating a dead horse, but, you know, maybe you should just, on your end, suck it up and make it one time Europe friendly, one time US friendly, one time Asia friendly, and rotate so that's not always the same terms at disadvantage. So, you know, another like, I mean, at this point, you know, what can we say? Um, <laughs> I think this is just a common problem with most esports. Like, I remember there was a huge move in, in uh, Super Smash Bros. that the problem was that a lot of low tier players were having to stay up to like 2 a.m. To, to play uh, bracket matches. And uh, I think it's just an esports thing. I, I don't even think this is necessarily Watsy's fault. And it's just like, how much can you reduce it rather than can you not have it at all? That's kind of my opinion on it. It, it sucks, obviously, but, you know, we are we are getting to play a video game for, for income at the end of the day. So I feel like it's, you know, hard to complain when you are playing on a world class level thing in your in your room yeah i mean if you're making like a lot of money but that's not always the case right yeah i think the problem is that right it's like when you have i like your idea just rotate it because you, you'll never have everyone happy and i think that's the someone's always going to get screwed when everyone's in like across the world and it, as well as the coverage team as well like i mean you know who who should suffer right should the coverage team suffer should the players suffer should, should only a specific amount of players suffer, for example. So 
it's yeah. it's definitely tough. It's definitely tough, and I don't think there's a perfect no, solution. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. It, it's it's not ideal. I mean, I've always been used to it. You know, I used to play poker, so as I was always on US time because it's a different situation. But you know, obviously, they had all their big turns back when it was mostly the Amer- American playing. It was the big turns were on US time and mm. kind of used to it. But uh, it, yeah, it's I don't know, it's just another another kind of drama thing. Yeah. So yeah. to clarify, you're in the MPL next year, right? I'm in the MPL, but there's no MPL. I'm getting MPL money. I'm getting my MPL That's contract it. paid, and I get an invite to the arena tournaments. Okay. So I get I get these MPL benefits, and I'm qualified for Worlds. So I'm one of the the eight players currently qualified for Worlds. No, for no, I'm one of the twelve players currently qualified for Worlds. And this weekend. Three more players are going to make it from the MPL gauntlet and one player from the Rivals gauntlet. Hopefully, it'll be some of my teammates. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to be watching uh, very closely, probably co-stream it. And, uh, yeah, it should be, should be exciting. Okay. And if you're in... So, if you're in Rivals, do you get an invite to all the arena tournaments or do you just get money? Next if you're year? Rivals, you also get an invite to the free arena tournaments, I believe, and you get rivals money okay and so, then we just don't know what's happening after like after they wanted to kind of reset everything and it's i think 2023 is when they uh, they're gonna have their new organized play circuit and <laughs> there's they're working on it they said you know they, they talked about it a few months ago you know they said it's going to be they define it as robust they said there's going to be a lot of tournaments they said there's not going to be as big uh, an emphasis on sustaining professional players, players who do consistently well. It sounded like we, we talked about it before, but to me, the way they were describing it, it kind of sounded like the old system where they're trying to come up. Um, it sounded like the, the old system without the pro incentives and the pro rewards, you know, and it it kind of makes sense, you know, maybe to to make magic more semi professional in some ways, and it also kind of makes it easier for them to juggle arena, magic online, and live instead of trying to figure out a system that combines everything into some kind of point system. They just have like one big tournament here, one big tournament there. They don't really lead to anything. Even though, obviously, I think it would be better to have a point system, some kind of circuit, you know, not just like event per event where you can win money, win a trophy, and and just move on. We'll see. We'll see what they come up with. They still have a lot of time to uh, to figure it out, you know, since they said that we shouldn't expect two, you know, big IRL tournaments next year, just uh, mostly the, the arena championships and the arena opens. And... Um, so, you know, I wouldn't expect big announcement about OP for another maybe six, six to eight months, you know? Mm. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I'm completely detached now. You know, a lot of the time people are saying like, oh, did you watch the uh, the big Watsy announcement? I'm like, what what announcement? Like, I'm, I think I haven't read a document or whatever in a few months and watched a stream of theirs. Because I think that honestly, just going in the blind is better than just like following it, for at least for me at least. But um, yeah, I guess that's it for the MPL stuff. It's hype that you're qualified for next year. I, I can't lie, I actually forgot. I didn't even know you're qualified for Worlds at this point. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> sick. But uh, was there anything else we wanted to get into this week? No, I think I think that that was it. I mean, there was the whole like Twitter drama again about the whole GGO. He. He said oh. GG. <laughs> like how 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 many times can you recycle the same uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of unreal, you know. And then you have the people complaining about the complaint and the, the this and that and uh it's it's just I just cool. kind of stay out of it honestly. I, I I mean I feel like maybe I should say something kind of but I don't know, it's unreal. Okay, so for those listening who don't know what we're talking about, because I presume we have a lot of listeners on Twitter, Saffron Olive from MTG Goldfish was playing on Arena for a YouTube video, I think. His opponent has a massive board. He's out exactly one life. 
and he has a set out of the wreckage in hand. He casts something, and I think the opponent Dovin's vetoes it, so then he just puts good, he uses the good game emote, even though he has set all the wreckage. The opponent untaps, attacks with all, and he set all the wreckages of them. And I don't know if he wins or not, but he, like, he got them. So then he obviously posted the uh, clip of that to Twitter, and then there was a huge war between, is that, like, morally right for him to do, to, to say good game when he has set all the wreckage in hand to bait them to attack with all? Because obviously it's on one life. You know, the opponent can just attack with one creature, two creatures. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't, I actually didn't know it was Saffron who did it to someone. I I think it's, I don't think, I think it's it great. Was. I don't think it's great to do stuff like that. I, I think it's like, maybe you could define that as angle shooting. You know, it's not cheating because allowed to do it, but it's, it's not super clean at the same time. You know, it's like in poker, right? It's it can backfire if if people know you you only do something like that when you actually have the card. Then, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, they can you can be like, oh, you know, now I'm suspicious and I'm not gonna attack with all my creatures. So, I think. I think that if you play paper and you like sigh, you're like, you know, a lot at GPs, like people will draw cards and just go. Yeah, exactly. That's the same thing. I think that's the same thing, right? Like he casts his spell, Dovin's veto. Go ahead. Sell the wreckage. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, uh, that's, that's how I looked at it. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I'd rather just, you know, not, not say anything in these spots or not give anything away and. Cause it kind of feels a little dirty, and and it can backfire. I don't know. I don't think it's great, but is it really worth like? I mean, there's so many, and and it's so negative too. It's like just going on and on about it's more negativity. Like, who cares? Just move. On. It's like I don't know. It's people farming the likes and the tweets. We know we we see it all the time, and I mean, just. Isn't After people complain it's... like about the negativity, but they're just perpetuating it, and you know, I mean, some sometimes you need to. I mean, there's like real issues with the game, and but at least try and not be negative when about, or talk about that kind of stuff. You, you know, save the negativity for stuff that matters, and not that that same discussion over and over again. Yeah, but I think honestly, it's it's whatever. But you know what does matter? Life on the line. For those who don't know, it's a theoretical tournament tomorrow. Every week we compete in it, and if you win the event, you live. You lose, you die. Gotta bring a deck list from every format we talked about today. I'll just do modern, but Gabby can do modern historic if you like. Uh, in modern, I'm gonna bring Green Tron. I think uh, the deck is linear, and also I feel like a lot of the decks I'm seeing right now in the format get crushed by tron so i'm gonna go with that if i die i die but uh hopefully my sleeves <laughs> i won't make that joke <laughs> sorry go ahead go ahead <laughs> what if you get 30 and squaff when his four charm was in the sideboard um then i'm dead yeah I'm, i was impressed with blue ride murk tide i would i'd make a few tweaks uh especially the sideboard but i, w- I would go with uh with blue red, blue red Murktide and Historic. I'm going to put you on the spot for Historic. And Historic, I would go was week one. And yeah, one of the Dragon Rage Shelner decks. Maybe just Phoenix, honestly. Maybe just Phoenix. Oh, I'll copy you, Phoenix. Okay, if that's a good deck in the format, then that's a deck I know how to play, because I've played that in Modern before. All right, all right, all right. All right, should we do, should we do uh, the prices right? Yeah, why don't we do the... Uh... The dragon. The regent? No, no, the one that destroys a non-basic land. Oh, okay. Is it a mythic? Uh, what's it called? Obsidian Charmo. Wait, I still have the, the challenge just open. Let's see if I can... It looks like it's just a rare. All right, and okay. we got called out by one of Fastfriend, and Fastfriend was right. They said, why don't you just write down your guess before and not go one by one? And I was like, oh, yeah, obviously, that's what we should be doing. We're just such monsons. Yeah. All okay. right. So it's a rare from Modern Horizon 2 that sees. So how much? Eight euros for a Modern Horizon booster pack, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay, ready? 
Uh, I'm just gonna hold up. Uh, yeah, I wrote, I wrote my guess down. Okay. I, I mean, we. I'll trust you. I'll trust you, Harry. You don't have to like. Show it. <laughs> I'm gonna three, do, uh, two, one. One dollar euros. Or what? Yeah, I said dollar. One euro fifty. One euro? Okay, 50, I'm scared. Yeah. Obsidian well, trauma. No lower. You always go pretty low. I feel. <laughs> what? How much? It's literally nine cents. Nine euro cents. Nine cents? Like not even ten cents? The aver- the average price in the past seven days is forty cents. But there's li- I literally they're all ten cents. Ten, ten, ten. Wow. Nine, ten, ten, ten. The average price is forty, but it must have tanked like recently. Yeah, Obsidian oh Charma, Red Red Free, Four Four Flying Dragon, the one that like destroys a non-basic and wow, I didn't, I mean, I, th- I thought it would be cheap, right? Because it's like kind of one of the mediocre rares. Doesn't see a ton of fly. Come even went four euros. Wow, what a fish! What I mean, I don't know. I thought. Think about it. Cards like these, like I never know. They, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably trash. I mean, like, I it's trash. I am surprised it's that cheap, though. That's kind of crazy. I think it's because there's no GPs. Like, yeah. I feel like uh, two That's years ago, if Wafo did this, this card would go up by, like, two yeah. euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think maybe maybe I'm taking the GP old-school approach. My apologies. I need to update yeah, on I, my... I think it's actually sick to just go and buy these these rares that are that, that rare, you know, find all the rares like that that are 10 cents and... Just stockpile, and they're bound to like spike here and there, as you said, week to week. For if you're speculating on modern big modern tournaments coming back, what I'm scared is vendors are watch, listening to the podcast, and when they see me at the next GP, they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, that uh, Obsidian Charm, yeah, it spiked. It's eight euros now, Harry. Yeah, a place that's going to cost you thirty six. Okay, and then I fork over the money. Should you have a little disclaimer that we're not financial advisors. And- <laughs> We're not financial. Your life savings away on Obsidian Charma. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good thing, anyways, because if I'm going to a GP in the future, I'm buying my deck from Card Market in advance. I'm not going to get scammed. That's all that matters. <laughs> anyways, if you made it this far into the episode, we've got to let you know where we can find Gab on the internet. Yeah, twitch.tv slash yellowhat. I stream every day. We record the podcasts there as well. So if you want to catch us live, um, you, can, you can give us a follow on Twitter, give me a follow on Twitch. Uh, Twitter at Gabnasif. Awesome. Yeah, you can find me on the internet here MTG. I also want to take some time to shout out Card Market's YouTube channel quickly. Um, there's a huge video on there right now for me playing No Bandless Modern, and uh, yeah, they that video is sick. Go check out me playing Paper Magic, and uh, yeah, if you're gonna find me anywhere, go check me out there this week. Also, Pat, he wasn't here this week, so if you're new listening, he's a legend. You can check him out anywhere. Get underscore smart. I think he would normally say, oh, you can find me changing my baby's diaper as well right now or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you made it this far into the episode, though, thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate you for making this far. And I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone.